Matt, I appreciate you being on the show, man. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, it's about time our paths have crossed. <laughs> you know, I, feel I like mean, we... just in the last like 20 minutes, like we have like a half dozen mutual friends and then uh, Josh, who lives up in Vermont now, yep. he yeah. was like, he was like, oh yeah, he was my roommate. I'm like, how have we never crossed paths? But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I actually, our biggest, deepest connection is to the state of Vermont. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I watch a lot of your interviews a lot of your content and i think it's just important for people to know about that great state you know? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm okay if people don't know about it because it's like the hidden hidden gem I yeah feel. i mean during covid it like everyone from boston and new york city moved up and like basically priced out half the locals and so it was unfortunate because every, everyone now they can work from home so now everyone wants a bit of land and so it's like the housing market just skyrocketed yeah so it was a little bit unfortunate but you know i'm i'm biased i i grew up there uh you know we moved down in tennessee and i always thought like like i i don't care where i live and then it was our first trip i think it was like thanksgiving or something went back and i was gosh i love it here yeah and then I think it was that trip we bought a piece of land and then a couple of years later found found a nice house that we like. So it's home. It's amazing. And I have <clears throat> I have a connection to it because I went to school at the mm-hmm. University of Vermont. What year did you graduate? So I I think technically I graduated in like December of twenty fifteen. Okay. But then I I don't think I walked until like May of twenty sixteen. Okay. Um and I almost I actually didn't want to go because I think I had regionals the next weekend. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to go to graduation. I'm going to miss a couple hours of training. And then uh, my parents were like, oh, no, you're you're walking. Okay. And- <laughs> so I've, I graduated class of 2013. Okay. So I think, though, we de- I mean, we were definitely on campus at the same time. Yeah. Which is I wild to think about. That's I would have <laughs> started... I would have started at UVM either late 2012 or early 2013. Okay. Yeah, because I was at NMU till I was 22, I think. So, yeah, it would have been 2012. So, yeah, I would have started at UVM 2013. That's wild, man. Yeah. It's wild. Small world. And I was I was a lax, bro, so there's no way our paths would have crossed. But um, oh, it, I, mean, I was an engineering nerd. Dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I, I lived off campus. I lived at home because... You know, I was like, I live five, I grew up, you know, five, 10 minutes down the road from UVM. So it was like, why would I, you know, pay for a room and board when I lived 10 minutes down the road? And, you know, I was 23 when I was there. So, you know, I, I was a good chunk older than everyone there. So I didn't really relate with too many kids. So I literally went to campus, went to class and then just went home or I would just sit in the library all weekend. So I had a very... I did not have much of a social life in college. <laughs> yeah, so I do want to get get back into kind of the stress that you put yourself on, st- stress that you put yourself in when you would compete. Yeah. <laughs> and you do talk a lot about it. And I, I imagine the same kind of stress you put it on yourself uh, in your education, right? It, it was identical. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So like, let's, let's talk about that. I have some, I have some stuff written out mm-hmm. here, but, um, when I watched you in a lot of different interviews, you you talk like, um, a lot about your anxiety mm-hmm. and like leaving no stone unturned. Yeah. Did you feel, and as crazy as it sounds, did you feel as though like that anxiousness provided you with like a competitive advantage? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, and, and like, I, I was very open, like the, the people like 
that were with me day to day knew knew what I was going through. They knew what was in my head. Uh, so like O'Keefe and Sammy, um, I think most people observing, you know, if they were in the gym with me, they saw, you know, just the the anxiety or the fear, whatever it was, you know, because we don't know what we're going to do in competition. There's no rules or regulations of what's allowed and not allowed. So it's you have to be proficient at anything you can think of. And and I, I hated that feeling, but I intentionally kept it. I never wanted that feeling of fear to go away because I know fear is an incredible motivator. And it's kind of like when you're a kid and you're playing tag, you know, when do you feel like you're running the fastest? When you feel somebody's chasing you and like they're right on your tail, that's when you're moving the fastest. And so that's how I looked at my training of like, people are chasing me and I want to make sure I outrun them. Um, yeah. And you know, it was just, I found it to be a great motivator. Um, and it was, it wasn't, but it, but it's taxing though. Yeah. Like it, it hurts. Incredibly, incredibly. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was, that was all I knew at the time. And, and I was like, this works. I like the results. And so I'm just going to keep it. Cause I knew there was a timestamp on it. So like if I, if I knew that was going to be my life forever, no way it's not sustainable. But because I knew like, I only have a handful of years at this. I'm not like, I'm not young. I'm not low mileage. Like, yeah, I started, I started CrossFit when I was 23. Yeah. 23. I had done 10 years of competitive Olympic weightlifting prior to that. So it's like, I already had a full sports career and then retired from that. And I was like, Oh, finally I can relax. And then I found this thing called CrossFit and I was like, all right, let's run it back. Let's do another 10 years. So how, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 33 next week. <laughs> okay. I, I'll be 33 next week. Okay, cool. I mean, we're similar, similar yeah. age. There are people our age uh, still competing. And oh, yeah. So I think, though, I, I like your point that because you knew there was a, ca- a cap, yeah. you were okay with suffering, but not just suffering like in the, in the, the way of suffering, like I'm going to make my lungs bleed and sh- the, the mental suffering, you oh, were okay with it because you knew. Yeah, there, there was both. It was yeah. the mental and the yeah. physical. Yeah, well, true. Um, but the physical could not be as tough as the mental because I feel like the mental doesn't leave you when the workout's over. True. Very right? true. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so. But know, do, 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 you ever think, do you ever think about the career athletes like Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, who just kept going and you're like, how the f***? Do you do that? Because I had a cap. Oh, no, I, I know exactly how they do it. You know, if, 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 if I had a contract signed for 25 million a year, you bet your ass I'd be on that floor right now. Mm. Um, but for, for where I was at with life, you know, like my life was on hold. You know, like our season is so long. It's not like we have an eight, eight games, one per weekend type thing. It's like it spans a majority of the year. Um, and when, when I was doing it, it's like, I put my life on hold, but it's not just me that's sacrificing. It's also Sammy. It's also O'Keefe, my, my family, my extended family. Like I'm not able to travel to go see him. I'm not able to, you know, be as involved as I want to be. Um, and that's just family, Never mind friends, you know, like, um, like the, the most obvious story. I think it was the first time I had to make that decision was my, my buddy's bachelor party. You know, it was a couple weeks before regionals or games or some big competition that mattered. And 
And it was just like, they, they rented a beach house and they had a bash, you know, just a good time. And I had to tell my best friend, like, sorry, man, I can't go. Like I have a competition. And thankfully, you know, I'm surrounded by people that are supportive, understand what I'm doing, understand the reasoning behind it. And so it wasn't a problem. He was like, yep, go handle your business. But for me, hopefully he only ever has one bachelor party and, and I had to miss it. So it was stuff like that, that just kind of added up. And, and at a certain point I was like, I was just so ready for other things. Cause I, I, I have felt for a long time that like I'm meant for more than just this one thing, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so it's, as soon as I retired, I had game plans in place of like projects that I've, I've been, you know, chomping at the bit to start pursuing, but I never could because I didn't want to pull away any time or dedication from my physical performance to, you know, start a business or whatever it is. And so, you know, when, once I did what I wanted to do in the space, you know, I had, I had enough gold medals and I was like, all right, like time to move on, yeah. time to move on to something else and be, be a better member of my family, but be a better friend to the people around me. So I, this is something that I'm fascinated by. I made a video called the toxic winner mindset. And I know that toxic is a, is a word that seems polarizing in a way, but it's, it's also kind of fitting because what you're doing to your brain, uh, it's like this trickery. I mean, in you're, order, you're, it, you're programming your brain to do one thing and one thing only. And that's just win, you know, like, yeah, you need which to have isn't this, natural, right? It's, you need to have this fearless mentality and, and like, I talked about a lot of, you know, I was scared all the time, all the time. Like, the, like anyone that's saying that they're not scared, it's either you're not challenging yourself or you're lying. I was like, you know, being scared or crying or letting your emotions get the better. Who cares? It's what are you doing with that emotion? You know, yes, I had those yeah. emotions, but I, I did the best I could to never let my emotions dictate my actions. And, uh, you know, it, it can be tough at times of like, you're scared shitless. Like you're performing in front of 10, 20,000 people live, never mind how many people are watching online. And you're like, I'm, you're incredibly vulnerable. You're opening yourself up for, you know, people that they, they see you for five minutes a year on TV and then they think they have your life figured out. And so they're making sure they, that you know their opinions and stuff. And it can, it can wear on you if you allow it to. But so th I have this, um, for kind of like the gen general pop, and it's something that I've followed uh, with weightlifting, and it's this thing, it's like low expectations, high standards. And saying, even just saying low expectations, it sounds like a cop-out. Yeah. Um, but really what I mean by that is like, you're not expecting anything because nothing is given. Nothing's you, owed to you, nothing's given right. to you, yeah. However, I feel as though in your situation, being, and I, I coined this as like the hyper-winner, not just someone who's elite, but someone who wins, wins, right? The Jordans, Brady's, whatever. They do expect a lot of themselves and they mm -hmm. do have high state. It's like, so that, that's, that's the part that's toxic. It's the high expectations. So yeah. you put that extraneous pressure on you that I would say for a, for a newbie, for, 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 a, for someone or, or general population, do not put any expectations no. in you. But that's where I love thinking about the difference. You had those expectations on yourself. And ultimately, that's what caused a lot of that yeah, pressure when, and pain, right? I, I think it was because I realized the opportunity that I had. I knew that this is, you know, I found, I found CrossFit relatively late in life for most people. You know, to start 
a professional sports career at 24 it's probably not the most common thing um but yeah i i just realized the opportunity that i had and what i could provide for the people around me and and i was like you know like so the best example is probably when like sammy worked at reebok she had a she had a big role there and it was a it was a career not not just like a job that she happened to land in and and i was like i want you to quit your job and move to vermont and um and when she did that i i remember after one competition or something i went up to her and i was like just give me five years if you if you're willing to help and support me for five years i'll i'll set us up for life and and so she did you know like she she quit her job she moved into my parents basement with me and and we we sacrificed a lot like we lived in an apartment for years that didn't have windows it was like a damp dingy half-finished apartment in the basement with no windows and Sammy's coming from like this career job that she could stay in for 20 years and no one would ever question it. She had a beautiful place. You know, she had all her friends and family around and she was willing to drop everything, move to Vermont to be with me and support me. And, and so that sacrifice isn't lost on me. And it was like, okay, I'm not just out here. It's not just a selfish for me. It's selfish for, you know, the, the people around me. And, and I knew the opportunity I had and I can, I was like, I know I can change our lives. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about, uh, Sammy a little bit, because, um, I, I do think that your, that anxiety provided you with a competitive advantage, at least from my perspective and when watching you speak so much, but I also think Sammy, you, you talk about her all the time. I think she provided you with a competitive advantage. Wouldn't you think? Oh. Uh, no in every aspect um you know that that poor girl like the week before a competition I'm, I'm just a ball of nerves you know i'm i'm envisioning everything going wrong i'm envisioning everyone else having the best day of their lives out on the competition floor and you know i'm i'm imagining my nightmare coming true because it's happened before i've fallen off a 20-foot rope in front of thousands of people when i was a hundred and some odd points ahead and then you know the the guy in second place ben smith won the workout i got dead last so there's a hundred point swing in the leaderboard i've experienced it that's been a reality to me and so i'm always anticipating that happening again and sammy's got to deal with that and (laughs) and so sammy you know early on when we early into dating you know i would ask her like hey if this competition doesn't go the way we hope it will like are you still gonna love me and she's you know, and it's just, it's just insecurities coming out. She, she, she's like, yeah, of course. I don't yeah. give a shit what you do out there. Like, I love you. Um, and then it became routine, like, you know, month, month out, week out, you know, she's reassuring me. And, and I, I felt like that was a weapon for me going out on the floor was knowing that like none of the love in my life is conditional. And I can, uh, I, I can, I can go and bulk the entire competition and I'm coming home to the same same hug. I'm coming home to the same the same love, and and so I was like, I'm not out here to oppress anyone. I'm out here to provide, and uh, that's, yeah, that's so amazing, that, man. Yeah, that was that was a weapon because I I would always hear all the competitors talking about you know, I'm out here and I see I see my partner in the crowd or my coach and I want to make them proud and all this. I'm like, you got to be out here for yourself. 
like like you're out on that floor by yourself you you got to want it personally and and so i felt like i had a good combination of i realized the opportunity i had and what i could provide for you know friends and family around me but at the same time i know that all the people in my life they, they don't give a shit about what i do you know my best friend like i i think the last time he showed up to the games was in 2015 and then after that and then he couldn't make it in 2016 so i went from second place to first place and then he was like oh i'm not allowed to show up anymore you know and uh anyway, he it's just good having people people like that in your life that what, they, they don't care what you what do. sort of what sort of things did sammy like because i know a lot of it you know the, the sport of CrossFit, what I love about it is like, it's so hyper-focused on fitness because that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. So what you get is this direct correlation of importance on recovery and nutrition. Mm -hmm. Like, it's tough to say to, to a certain extent, like how much exactly this is going to affect, um, like say a football game, you know, with 11 other or 10 mm -hmm. other players other than yourself how much your nutrition and recovery is going to affect it. Like obviously in the long run, you want to have good nutrition and recovery, yeah. but in CrossFit, it's like, it's like one-to-one. -one. It's like, so having Sammy, um, I know she was doing, she did a lot of food for you, a lot mm -hmm. of stuff like that. Tell, tell us about that. Like, cause that, that to me is super interesting. That's a massive competitive advantage. I mean, she, she did everything, you know, like, like our home life was taken care of because of her. Like I, I was in a situation where Sammy handled everything in our personal lives. O'Keefe handled everything in our professional lives. And so I, I literally woke up and I just had to train. That was the only thing on my mind was training and competing. That was it. And that almost puts more pressure on you to try to do your job, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's no excuses. <laughs> I just, I kind of got the chills a little bit thinking about that. Cause like, cause right as you were saying that, it's like, well, if I can, if I can take my, the, all these pressures and put them in all these different places, it relieves a lot. But yeah. now it's like, all you have is two pointed things to do, yeah. sleep and eat, well, three, yeah. sleep, eat, train, yep. and then compete. Um, and that's crazy. I imagine training was probably stressful because you, you had the oh. ghosts all of the other time. people, yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, like like my, you know, it, it, it's, I didn't realize as much the impact that like my training had on Sammy, um, you know, until, until I retired and then like, we're supposed to start our lives together. And then, you know, I, I end up, end up coaching some athletes and now I'm working more than I was before. And, you know, Sammy is very open. She's like, your competition career was very lonely for me because you'd be at the gym eight hours a day and I'm home alone. And so, you know, when, when I was training in Vermont in the summers, Sammy's training three a days because she, she said, she was like, no, nope, like you have a job to do. And I know if I want to spend time with you, I have to go to the gym. And so if I want to spend time with you, I have to be in the gym. And if I'm in the gym, I might as well train. And so she would just do modified workouts that I was doing but she'd be in the gym two, That's three really cool. times a day, six days a week. And, uh, so, you know, she, she was definitely counting down, counting down the days, but, uh, yeah, yeah. She, she sacrificed a lot. I want to throw the, the weightlifters watching or listening a bone here because that's, you know, as you know, that's primarily what my channel has been about. Yeah. 
I've been following you for a long time because um, even when I was doing CrossFit, I had a massive weightlifting bias. So I've been a fan of the purest weightlifters. Yeah. And you're probably set the precedent as far as purest weightlifting goes. Yeah, I remember uh, I remember once I, I made the transition um, and then I had a little bit of success. You know, I definitely saw some of my friends from weightlifting try to make the transition as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I want to like you said, and I kind of want to break this down. You said I got into a professional sport late. Yeah. But you didn't really because you had oh, however I, many years when, of weightlifting training, right? I mean, yeah, it'd be when, one thing if you went from basketball yeah, or when, baseball when, to, when to I, CrossFit. When I came into CrossFit, I hit the ground running. Like, yeah. And you had a base already, right? Yes. So like when I started CrossFit, I had, I had a 300-pound snatch and a 365 clean and jerk. So 137-kilo snatch, 165-kilo clean and jerk. Mm -hmm. um, so back like, squatted over five, right? So <laughs> I've never back squatted 500. <laughs> Four, 497. And, uh, and How, one, yeah. one, one of our coaches, Jake, uh, he just did, uh, he was like, I'm just doing a strength cycle. Yeah. Like I just need to get better at weightlifting. So, you know, kind of put fitness, maintained his fitness, mm -hmm. but put it on the back burner and just focused on weightlifting. And he, he squatted 500 a couple weeks ago. And as soon as he did it, I was like, all right. Let's get it going. I got. I got it. Are you five. working towards? Are you working towards it? So I've, I've, so I've squatted five times in the last three weeks, and like I, I didn't go below parallel for a long time because I'm like, dude, I can. I've competed in some form of weightlifting for almost twenty years. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to chill for a minute. I just mm -hmm. need a bit of a break. Um, and within five five squat workouts, I got up to four eighty five. Okay, and I was like. It's going to happen. I'm like, I, I didn't go below parallel for two years. And within five workouts, I was 12 pounds from my max. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to find like a rough max um, just so, so I could start. So you had this base going into CrossFit, but it's not just any base. It's not just an athletic base. It's like one of the bases. I mean, the other one that would compete with it would be gymnastics. But in a certain level, you get mo like as far as a base going into CrossFit. Yeah, right? I, I would say. I would say even like being a proficient Olympic weightlifter translates to gymnastics, but not the other way around. But I mean, translates to cross. So like I was saying, if you were going to take, so like a, 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 a gymnast going into CrossFit, great. Weightlifter going into CrossFit, great. Not many other things. Yeah. Right. Maybe an endurance athlete, maybe, but like I, you, you had that advantage going into it. And I kind of want to, I guess I do, I would like to talk about your career in weightlifting mm -hmm. a little bit, but I also, I want to know like my, how my that felt like my, going. My, my career in weightlifting was just a squandered opportunity. I, I just didn't have the knowledge that I needed. You know, I, I got, I got the experience once it was, or I, I got the knowledge once it was too late. So like I, I had a, I had a fine weightlifting career, you know, uh, one junior nationals, was on the junior world team. I had to miss my last year as a junior um, because of my back injury. But I just didn't know what I didn't know. Um, so I held my body weight down for like five years too long. Um, and I didn't know how to strength train properly. You know, I, I was young. And so it's like, I wanted to get better at the things I was good at. 
and try to just like pretend like my weaknesses weren't there. Um, and it, for weightlifting, five, six as a 77 kilo lifter, a little bit too tall, a little bit too thin. Like my waist was tiny. And so I just didn't have the raw strength that was needed. My technique, flexibility, coordination were phenomenal, but my strength was pathetic. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time, first time I clean and jerked 375, my deadlift was 400. Wow. Like, yeah. And so like, so when, when I, years later, once I'm looking back at like, oh yeah, I broke my L5 in two spots. It's like, yeah, no you did. Like you're, you're operating at like, just like 100% efficiency. As soon as that bar is just a tiniest bit out of place, I don't have, I don't have any wiggle room. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, in my last year, I bumped up, bumped up to the 85s. Um, actually when I left the 77s, I went home on Christmas break from college and my coach at the time, he was like, Hey, by the time you get back, I want you to fill out the 85s. I came back as a full 94. <laughs> like I overshot the 85s and I got so big. It's just and such a, that's such a common thing in strength sports is everyone has that mistake. And like my whole life I was told to, you can eat whatever you want. You can just gain weight. Like, you know, you can never train enough. Like, mm-hmm. you, or you can never eat enough. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you'll always be able to out-train your diet. And like my... <laughs> You know, it's just it's just growing up being in football and being a tall, lanky yeah. weightlifter. Um, but the reality is, you can put on shitty weight, and, oh, yeah. and I'm sure in that period of time, you put oh. on bad. It was bad weight, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was like a game for me. I wanted to see in 14 days how much weight can I gain, and it was a full time job. Like, um, so there are three things that I did that I don't recommend to anyone. I felt absolutely terrible. It had to have taken a year off my life. Um, uh, I don't even know if they still make them, but Costco muffins. Remember those like giant mm-hmm. muffins and they were like 1100 calories a piece. I was buying those by the tray, just cut them in half, put like a big old slab of butter on it, put it in the microwave and I was just eating those all day. And then every night before bed, uh, whole milk and a jar of peanut butter. An entire jar of peanut like like the regular the regular size not yeah. like the b- bucket of jiffy but yeah. like yeah regular size jar of peanut butter and like the first night it was cool you know you're like uh-huh. oh this is delicious this is fun and then you wake up the next morning and you're like i have peanut butter in my veins <laughs> and i did that every day for a little bit over two weeks and and granted like my starting weight was from when i weighed in at a competition so i, I had to cut down a couple pounds but you have to weigh in an hour before you lift, so you can't cut too much. But in, in that 14-day stretch, I put on 33 pounds. And, like, I remember going back to NMU, walking through the dorms, and, and like, I, I had an afro at the time, a scraggly beard. And the last time all my friends saw me, I was 169 pounds. The next time they saw me, I'm over 200. So I'm walking down the hall, and, and I remember people, like, it's after Christmas break. So there's a lot of new athletes that come in for the new semester. And like my friends would be like, Oh, Hey, welcome to the dorms. Holy what happened? And I'd be like, I gained weight. (laughs) It's such a, that's like such a typical, like I know so many weightlifters who have done the same thing and then they grow up a little bit. They figure out, Hey, that was dumb. Oh yeah. But I also, you know, 
you wouldn't be where you are if you never did that. You know, you, you, you lifted, maybe you had a squandered opportunity. Maybe you weren't dialed as an 18 year old, but I'll tell you what, if you, everything was dialed as an 18 year old, you could be an engineer right now and you would have never been a, you know, crossfitter. So, so I like my goal in weightlifting was to go to the Olympics. Like, and, and if what year is it? I think it was 2016. Chicago was one of the final bids in the running. Right. I think it was. Yep. And so. And then it went to Rio. Yeah. So yeah. if anyone listening that doesn't know, like if your home country hosts the Olympics, you get to send a full team. Um, but if it's another country hosting, you have to qualify off points. Mm-hmm. In the United States. We know, only had three that year. What was it? Three? Yeah. yeah it was Chad Vaughn. Kendrick no, Ferris. in 2016. Oh, there's two, and then Casey Berger was the alternate, right? Yeah, no, it, that was 2012. I'm 2012, talking yeah. 2016, we only had three, and Maddie didn't make it. Maddie okay, Rogers. Yeah, yeah. I so, just, yeah, yeah but so anyways, anyways, go on. It was when, once Chicago didn't get the bid, I realized, like, all right, my odds of making, making, being the top weightlifter are, you know, finding a needle in a haystack. Uh, but I was like, top eight to get on the full team. I was like, I think that's a realistic expectation um so you know when chicago didn't get the bid and now it's like setting in like oh i'm not going to the olympics ever and it's a whole quad Um, then right and then it's uh you know it's like holy my dream just got ripped away and it's it's very easy to see you know you don't have a lot of life experience at that point so it's like you're only looking at the negative if i had gone to the olympics there's no chance i would have pursued crossfit Mm -hmm. there's no chance i would have ever done that um, but you, the thing is, you wouldn't have known. I mean, the guy that we could go down and do the butterfly effect oh, of where your life would well, be, so, you so, know? And, you know, and then I, so I started CrossFit. I was still in at school at UVM. I got a degree in engineering, a degree in business. And people are like, oh, you know, you're so lucky that you're so fortunate that you found CrossFit and that it provided this opportunity. And at the same time, like, don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for it. I, I wouldn't change anything. But at the same time, I'm like, well, how do I know that CrossFit wasn't, you know, the, the path that was, you know, not as good. Like if I went as an engineer, who, who's to know, like maybe I would have worked at a startup that went to $10 billion. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the, my life now is the shitty option between the two. So it's like, who knows? Of course. I love my life now. I wouldn't trade it for the world i don't want anything to change it's like i'm content i'm happy but it's cool that you can look back on your olympic uh, weightlifting career and be like yeah i squandered some i I didn't do things right the right way i I, dude i think about that all the time it's hindsight's 2020 of course and as soon as you and at 18 but dude but think about think about the (laughs) advantage that it gave you that you sucked as an 18 year old yep oh yeah like you know like some it's possible that you could have had everything dialed at 18 and you just keep it going and just like crush CrossFit. But yeah. like you got, gave yourself that advantage of being like, now I have a fresh start in a new sport. Holy shit. Like then, I can change my life here. But then also I think about like, you know, handling the, the responsibility and the opportunities that you have like that, that, that were given to me as, you know, as a high level CrossFitter, you know, one of, one of the best in the world. And, realizing like if i was given this when i was 18 why would have that up too you know like the first check you get you're like yo i'm getting a ferrari let's go (laughs) yeah yeah you know so thankfully i found found it a little bit later in life i you know i had a few more life lessons and you know a better head on my shoulders better people around me so i was able to capitalize on it fully 
your your teenage story is an interesting one um that you had the awareness at 17 to say i'm done drinking and yeah it wasn't really much the awareness you know it was more uh you know getting punched in the head a few too many times and you know and 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 i had amazing examples around me of you know of i saw the examples of what's going to happen if i keep going down this path of and of what of of, of just being a head yeah you know just like being selfish selfish you know just petty crimes and just just being just being a head mm -hmm. like i don't want to incriminate myself no 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 <laughs> but, uh, no yeah but you know i i wasn't i was not a a nice kid i was not a good kid um and so you know i saw the path that some of my friends went down where it the worst got worse and you know i lost some friends and then i also had some examples of friends that were worse off than me cleaned up the racked and now they're these like glowing examples that i use all the time of like hey like this friend here was a heroin and heroin addict for you know 10 years and now now look at them you know they turn their life around it's not easy in the moment but like you will make it um and so i just saw those examples put out in front of me and you know alcoholism runs runs in my family it's it's uh you know immediate family extended family and and so i i the writing was on the wall i knew where it was going to lead i I had an opportunity, you know, I already had the offer to move up to Colorado Springs to train at the Olympic Training Center. And I was like, putting myself in, in that coach's shoe, I'm like, if he hears about me getting arrested back in Vermont, like, why would he stick his neck out for me? Like, no, he's not going to take on this liability. And so I was like, all right, I'm not willing to throw this opportunity away. So it was just like, just cut it out cold turkey and, you know, change people, places and things and try to make the best of it. I find it very admirable that you, even though like the first thing I thought was like, it's really to have the know-how to, to make these decisions at 17 years old. And you're like, no, 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 it's just, uh, I got, you know, like I, it was a nothing decision, but I, I really do think like you, 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 there is a, there is a distinct special gift to, to be able to do that. And I want to commend you on that because like, Dude, there are 17-year-olds that, you know, you could keep hitting them in the face and they won't adjust. They won't change, yeah. you know? And, and you, at some point, made that stance. And so I think, I think no matter where your life went, you would have been successful in your mind, in however, yeah, whatever it, metric. Yeah, kind of like the, the quick story, you know, like I, I knew I didn't party like other kids. You know, other kids my age, like, I saw the difference between, you know, how they... How so? Like, just, like, how they drank or, like, what they did at parties and uh -huh. whatever it was. And, you know, for me, it was like, no, I'm getting blackout drunk as quickly as possible. It was a sport, and you want it to be the best like at it. Moderations for cowards. If one's good, two is better, and ten is awesome. Um, and, like, when I, I... I don't need to go into my drunk log, but... Um, no, it's so, so it's like my, it I mean, so my, my dad, when I was, when I was super young, like 12, 13 years old, he was always encouraging me to go hang out with this, this guy and this group of friends that he had, but they were like, so the, my, my friend Nate, that my dad was always encouraging me to hang out with was like 25. He 
had his own house, had his own car. Like, and I always thought it was, I, was, I thought it was cool that I'm hanging out with a 25 year old. But at the same time, I'm like, why the f is my dad encouraging me to hang out with a 25 year old? Come, you know, a couple years later, I'm like, oh, it's because he was sober. And so my dad was like, if you're hanging out with Nate, you're safe. You know, you're not, you're not out drinking or drugging or anything like that. And so, so Nate would pick me up every weekend. We'd go dirt biking, quadding, whatever it was. And, and then 6 p.m., they would all go, he and all his friends would go to a meeting and they would just drop me off at home before they went to the meeting. And, uh, and then one day, you know, this is probably later on, like I'm 15, 16 years old. We, we go out quadding for the day and then it ran a little bit late and Nate was uh, the speaker for a meeting. So he gets up, tells this whole story, you know, what happened or what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. And, and they, they were just running behind. So Nate, he's like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't have time to go swing by your house to drop you off. I'm the speaker tonight, so I can't be late. Do you mind just coming and sitting in the back? And I was like, yeah, of course. You know, I've, I've, I've been to a meeting before. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll just sit in the back, stay quiet. And I'm listening, listening to his story. And, uh, you know, I, I quit drinking at 17, so I couldn't, couldn't have been older than 16. And I, he's telling his story, and I'm just in the back crying because I was like, I thought, I thought like, did my dad put him up to this to like tell my story? And I'm like, oh no, that's just my ego. Like no one gives a fuck about me. Mm -hmm. um, but it was like, I just saw so many parallels between his story and my story. And so I was like, the writing's on the wall. This is, these habits are going nowhere good. And so uh, of course I, I didn't quit right then. You know, I stayed active for another couple months and let get a little more chaotic and worse. But, um, so the day I decided that I wanted to, to quit and make a, a life change, the, the changing people, places, and things wasn't hard for me. I already had this whole network right. of friends that were, that were clean and sober and, and doing good things with their lives. And so I, it started just like, we'd still go out quadding, but instead of them dropping me off, I would just go to the meeting with them. Um, so the transition for me, you know, one big thing was I'm 16 or I'm 17. I'm a very shallow bottom drunk. Like I didn't have a house to lose. I didn't have a kids to lose. I didn't have a relationship to like, I'm just a kid at home in high school. So I didn't have much to lose. Um, and then the transition, I already knew, yeah. I already knew this whole network yeah. of people. So the transition for me was very simple compared to a lot of others. Um, so I'm just very thankful that, you know, my dad put me in that situation and that I had this network of friends that I could just, Oh, boom. All right. Now, now I'm down a better path. Do you, do you feel as if you had some sort of addictive personality? Oh, my life is an addictive personality. I don't do anything in moderation, you know? And, and so once I realized that it's not, it's not just alcoholism, it's just an ism, you know? And I, I, I watched, you know, I watched family members go through it of like, the only reason there's meetings for drinking and drugging is because the side effects of it are terrible and nobody's like so when, when i went went to college i was like well if one degree is good two is better so i did a double major double minor like i had engineering mm -hmm. business a minor in math and i don't remember what the other minor was in but nobody's com nobody's complaining to me of like hey man you're you're studying too much you're doing too much right school. but they would be complaining if it was hey man you're boozing too exactly much. <laughs> the side effects of this positive habit are fantastic nobody's coming up to me and like hey man you're doing too well in crossfit you need to dial it back but so, do, you, do you ever think though that 
sorry to interrupt, but do you, do you ever think though that like people could have done that? You're training too hard. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like it, it, there, there's negative. I mean, so like my first example of it was, was school. Um, and then obviously any too much of anything isn't good. Um, yeah, the dose but, makes know, the poison. Man. But I, I just realized, um, you know, this personality, this, this trait of like, I don't want to do anything in moderation. As soon as I put my mind to something, it's like, I just obsess over it. I realized like, it doesn't have to be a curse. You know, when I first quit drinking and it's like, all I want to do is drink. Well, that sucks. But it's like, if I obsess over getting straight A's in school, well, this is a gift. I enjoy sitting here and studying for 10 hours when I want to get better at rowing and I'm rowing 5,000 meters, 10,000 meters every single day. Well, the consequences of those habits are fantastic. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, I just need to apply this addictive personality to something that has a, a better outcome than getting blackout. Did drunk. you, did you do that with a lot of different movements that you, and I hate to say it, but sucked at, right? Like oh, there's them, no yeah. question you, I've heard you say you sucked at running. Yep. You suck, probably sucked at rowing at one point. You sucked at everything at one the, point in CrossFit. But did you first, did you do that? You were like, I can obsess over this, and you know the first the first thing that the first movement in CrossFit that I like obsessed over was kettlebell swings. Interesting. I for whatever reason, I, I think it was just it was probably one of the first movements in a workout that came up, and I saw how good everyone else around me was and how terrible I was. I'm like, this is a, such a simple movement, and and so I just did kettlebell swings every single day until, and this, this was my marker early on, until the class workout had that movement and I was excited to see it. So the first time I go in and I look at the screen and, and it's like 50 kettlebell swings in the workout and I was like, oh, yeah, kettlebell swings. Now you and, know. And I was like, got it. Like, wow. it's, how often do you love something that you're terrible at? Not often. Not, yeah. And so for me, I used that as an indicator early on of as soon as I saw, I was excited that it was in the workout. I was like, all right, good. That probably means that I've gotten a lot better at it, that I'm proficient at it now. Time to move on to the next thing. You know, I, I never thought about placing that rule, but it's just always how it's worked with me. Yeah. There's, yeah. and especially in CrossFit, because it's like, you know, you walk in and you see the class and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to get today. It's a roll of the dice. But there's always that workout where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. This one. You know, for me, obviously, I'm a long dude. Yeah. I see rowing and wall balls. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm ready to go. Um, but there was a point where I like, I didn't understand wall balls. Yeah. You know, but now I get them and it's like, okay, I'm done with those. Yeah. Did what, what about running? Because <laughs> I know you had like <laughs> the funniest story is, man, getting your ass kicked by <laughs> high schoolers and running. Oh, like, yeah, sprinting. Yeah. yeah so or just, yeah. My whatever. first CrossFit workout, uh, I think it was overhead squats. I think it was overhead squats with 95 pounds and like a 400 meter run for a couple rounds or something. That, oh, that's a Cindy or yeah, something? No, it, yeah, it, like it, that. it is a girl workout. Nancy? Yeah, that might be <laughs> Whatever, it. yeah. I, I don't know any yeah. of the names. I only know a few of the names. Um, but like, I was the first one done with the overhead squats. They were effortless. I'm like 95 pounds. Like, yeah, let me get my shoulders in the right spot. And I'm just air squatting quickly. Yeah. But then I remember getting passed by, by this gentleman that was a member at the gym, Damon. And, you know, probably, you know, early 50s, but like gray hair, heavier guy. And, and he just like hoofed it past me on the run. And I was like, holy shit. 
and bad at running. And at, at the time, it wasn't just that I was bad at running. It was that my conditioning was terrible. And so once again, I was like, all right, how do I get better at conditioning? And I was like, all right, let's pull out a rower and start rowing. And thankfully, I had great people in the gym around me. So Concept 2 is based out of Vermont. So a lot of their employees went to Champlain Valley CrossFit. And I remember Greg, uh, Greg Hammond, he, he walks in the back room one day and he sees me rowing and he was just like, stop. Like, what are you doing? That is terrible. And so I didn't, I never had the opportunity to develop too many bad habits mm. um, because I had phenomenal coaching around me. Champlain Valley CrossFit had phenomenal programming. You're, you're as far as the habits go though, like I don't think that ever would have happened to you because you mastered two of them. I mean, not mastered, mastered, yeah. but you mastered the things in CrossFit that if people start CrossFit, they're like, wow, my, I can't tell you how many people are like, my weightlifting sucks. Yeah. So you had that yeah, in so the I, can. And no yep. matter how you're going to be at rowing, it's not going to be as bad as somebody who's at snatching. Yep. Correct? Yep. Right? Um, so, so yeah, sorry. He, he came fix Like, you never developed those bad habits, but. Yeah, so, like, even with rowing, you know, like, I mean, like, we're, we're down here watching the elite division. You see people rowing, and you're like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, we, at, at this point in this sport, it's like the resources are there. If, if you're still bad, if you still have bad technique. That's ego. That's on you. Yeah. Like. The resources are there. Um, but you know, 10 years ago, they weren't. So just by pure coincidence, I happened to go to a gym where like three or four of the Concept 2 employees attended. Yeah, that's and great. And so immediately, like within the first week of me working on my rowing, I had Greg come up to me and it's like, all right, here, let me, let me show you the proper order of mm -hmm. operation. Um, and then, you know, Jay Jenny, uh, the owner of Champlain Valley, like, he was a huge help to me early on of, you know, he, he's the one who signed me up for my first competition. He's the one that, he was the first guy to ever program for me. He like show, showing me the strengths and his wife was a competitor. So, you know, I had someone showing me the way very early on. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll always be thankful for that stuff. Um, did you, do you feel like you, at every stage there was a new thing like like you were net, like, um, you know, at one point you're like, wow, I suck at kettlebell swings. Now I love them rowing. I sucked at that. Oh. Now I love it. Do you feel like it just never stopped? Like it just, you never felt like you were on solid ground. Like there were, cause CrossFit it, it's just like so many different you things. Al you always have a worst movement. It doesn't matter how good you get. You always have one that is the worst. So it doesn't matter if, you know, you're snatching a hundred pounds or 300 pounds. Like that might be your weakness. Um, yeah, so always I was working on a weakness. And then if, 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 we fin if I would finish a competition and then like, I'm like, man, I don't really know. There's not like one glaring pit in my game. There's not a glaring hole in my game. I would just pick something random. And it'd be like, all right, parallel handstand pushups. I'm okay at them. I'm like on par with everyone else but I don't have my eyes on anything else right now. So I'm just going to become the best at that. What was something among the elite where you're like, yo, this is some uh, low hanging fruit that none of you guys are picking and I'm just gonna <coughs> fucking pick this shit all day. Do you, was there something like that? Was there ever a thing like where you're like, man, no one, like I don't understand why no one is doing this and it's just like giving me so much. 
Was there, were there moments like that? Because, I mean, you, you kind of reference to it just now. It's like, wow, there's people here in the elite division who don't even row correctly. Like, and it's such an easy movement to just, like, put your ego aside and get better at it. Yeah. Do you feel as though there were things, it could be from nutrition, sleep, whatever, that, like, why is no one else doing this? Um, they might be doing it now, but when you were competing, at least. It's kind of tough to say because... I didn't train with many competitors, mm-hmm. you know? So like, um, you know, like, yeah, it's hard, Sammy, hard then to, yeah. Sammy for a long time was like my number one training partner. Mm-hmm. Like, like she would be doing two, three days with me and like she fitnesses for fun, but she just wants to spend time with me. But, but, um, yeah, I, I, oh, so, I, don't, so I don't really know. I have I, an, I have an example actually. Yeah. Um, Brent Fakowski, I'm really good friends with him. I think you, you know him well. You're yeah, good yeah. friends with him. Um, he was telling me, he's like, dude, like, I'll show up to the games and some athletes are like, man, I'm pretty hungry. I guess I'm just going to go to, like, the vendor village and go get some food. And he's yeah. like, what? Yeah. We're f- pro athletes, bro. He's yeah. like, I've had my food prepared for weeks. I knew exactly when I was going to eat, what I was going to eat. Like, I knew where sh- it is like a scope out where it is yeah. were there things like that that you oh, were 100%. seeing you know and, yeah and like through through most of my career you know i'm hyper focused on these tiny tiny details and for every hundred of those tiny little details probably 99 of them didn't matter but i i looked at it as like you know there, there are some of like you see athletes making this like huge life change a month before the games and you're like you're doing what like why would you move across the country a month before the games like that's a week of training and not only like a week of not training you're sitting in a moving van for three days you know so stuff like that whereas like month before the games i'm like no i'm not i'm either at my house or i'm at the gym i'm not going anywhere else i'm not doing anything else so like i'm sleeping in my bed so stuff like that but but you also have to remember that all these different athletes have different priorities too. Where it's like, I'm looking at it of like, I, I see somebody else's actions and I can't yeah. wrap my head around them because they don't match up with my values. But that doesn't mean that- like, It doesn't work that, for them. That might be dedication to that person. You know, that might and, be their level of commitment to it and they're happy with it. Yeah. And it's like, so who am I to say like, oh, you're doing it wrong. No, you're just doing it different. And I feel like Brent at the same time, like as, as as morally or as superior as it sounded when he said that, I think he also was like, but to that person who's going to go to the vendor village, that who's might, to, it, yeah. Who's to say that that's relieving of stress and that's yeah. how they operate, you yeah. know, like, uh, so, you know, like there's guys like myself, uh, or used to be myself, uh, Brent, Pat, Noah, like our lives are competing. That's mm-hmm. how we make a living. That's what we do. So, you know, most games athletes or no, actually most games athletes now are probably full time. But, right. but, you know, five years ago, there's only a handful of guys that could afford to do it full time. Yeah, and, and that's OK. So I want to get into this because you were at a point in CrossFit where it's like, all right, are we doing this? Is this a real sport now? Because if it's a real sport, I'm going to f- win it and I'm going to be the I'm going to make it a real sport. You know, because it was through this, it was like this fringe thing. Yeah. And it still was kind of a fringe. But I think when you were winning it, man, it was like, okay, this is the sport. You're telling me 
this is what we're doing. Okay, I'm gonna f- do it now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I always waited until the rule book was printed, until this like stuff was in writing. Like this is fact. This is the season. This is, you know, if you do this, you get this. Um, and and I would put an attack plan together. Um, yeah. You know what? I think I think it got legitimate a little bit before I came in. Um, but then I, you know, I saw the sport just flourish, you know, especially coming up like through 2018, like those were some wild times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just saw the opportunity I had at hand and I was like, all right, let's golf. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to dedicate everything to it. Now I want, I, this is an important question because I was thinking about this a lot last night. And, I, and it doesn't have to just be training or competing. What was the hardest thing you've ever done? Hardest moment of your life where you didn't know if you're going to make it out? When, how it, could be, how, it could be how competing. It to CrossFit? It, or no, life, life. In life. Life. I mean, because look, like if we're looking at difficult things. Listen, yeah. nothing in CrossFit's difficult. All right. Like, like people, like it's stressful. It's this and that. As soon as you think you're going to lose a family member or something, it puts it in perspective. And you're like, this isn't stressful. In the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter. You know, like it's like there's real hardship out there. There's people dealing with health issues, cancer, losing loved ones, you know, sleeping on the street, whatever it is. Like your problems, your problems are proportional to your life. When my life was, when I'm competing, I'm healthy, everything's good, you know, friends and family around me are, everyone's happy, healthy, doing well, a f-ing hangnail would be the worst thing in my day. And I would obsess over it. You know, if, like if I got a cut in my thumb and I'm like, dude, I can't hook grip for two weeks because I have this cut on my thumb. Like, how am I going to cope? As soon as I find out my dad's going in for a triple bypass, nothing matters. You know, it's like you're hyper-focused on that. And so there's been stuff outside the gym. Um, you know, like my, my dad's had, had a heart attack, two triple bypasses, five stents put in. Like that's the shit that's hard when, when you don't know if you're going to see them again, you know? So, you know, I, my dad's first triple bypass was an emergency. And so zero warning in it. And, and I was in high school and, um, didn't even get to see him before he went in. You know, it was, mm. he went in for his 50 year old stress test. I get a call from my mom. She was like, Hey, I have some bad news. Your dad's going in for a triple bypass. And you're 16 years old, 17 years old. And you don't know how to cope with that. Um, and then, you know, 10 years later, he goes in for another stress test and finds out then that the first triple bypass didn't take. So he gets rushed in for another one. And, you know, he's up at camp and, I forget what it was, but I was supposed to be up at camp with him to help him reshingle our, our cabin. Hot, hot summer day, and he had a heart attack on top of the roof. And he was, he was so, so fatigued that he, he said, he was like, all I wanted to do was get down to the boat launch and just lay in six inches of water. But he's like, I didn't have the energy, so I went into the cabin and tried to take a nap. And then after an hour not being able to sleep, calls, uh, call, calls uh, his sister-in-law, who's a doctor in town, it was like, hey, Shar, I'm, you know, I'm having a heart attack. And she was like, I'll send the ambulance. And he's like, no, don't worry. I don't want to be an inconvenience. He drove himself to the doctor's office, you know, like mm-hmm. 
but you you get the call from about stuff like that and you're you're 300 miles away and there's nothing you can do like once you go through some stuff like that or losing a loved one you know like i i best friend take his own life you know it's like once you deal with stuff like that it's like if i lose this competition who gives a you know it's like i'm happy i'm healthy everyone around me has a smile on their face they're all doing well like life's good you know i deal i mean i i i think about a very un part like a part of my life where i felt like i didn't have much control and i think about the years probably 17 to maybe like 25 yep and it's a very scary scary time and I know, I, I know based on what you said, it's, it's a scary time for you as yeah. well. Do you have any, like, yeah, so like, do, I, do, do you feel for those people out there now? I, I just like, for me, it's so palpable. Like, I want to help 17 to 25 year old men. Like, I want to so bad because yes. it's like, I remember that time and I'm like, I, I'm so scared for you. So like, I, I've, yeah, like there's probably a couple stories that immediately come to the top of my head. So, um, you know, so when, when I quit drinking, uh, you know, I, I, I met a buddy that we were about the same age. So we're, we're both in high school. So you quit drinking in high school, you immediately lose half your friends, you know? So he and I, we would just hit meetings together. Like a couple a day, um, we were attached to the hip and, and we were each other's support. And, and then I moved to Colorado to go to the training center. Uh, he basically lost his meeting buddy. He relapsed, uh, and your your disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups when you're in those meetings. Like it, it's not. You're not starting over. You're picking up where you left off. <clears throat> so you know he he got into heroin. Um, you know, got in a lot of trouble. And when when he was sitting in his prison cell, met with his lawyer, and his lawyer was like, "Dude, you're going away for life." He he went back to his cell and hung himself. And, you know, that, that was my best friend. You know, we got, we got sober together and I, I found out he was in prison. So I asked my dad, I was like, dad, can you track down, you know, what, what prison is he at? And uh, like, so I can write him letters, I can call him all the stuff. And my dad calls me back, you know, a couple hours later and he's like, hey, sorry, Nate's gone. Um, this Nate? Uh, different Nate, but oh, okay. same, same group. So. When, when, when you're 20 years old dealing with some shit like that, that's some heavy guilt because I'm like, like what would he have relapsed if I were there, you know? And who knows? I, I don't, but losing a friend that close, that young of an age, dealing with my dad's health issues through the years. Um, I, I remember being, when, when I was 18 and, and broke my back, you know, my life, my singular goal, the only thing I gave any about was going to the Olympics. That was my only priority. And and then once I, you know, I find out that I have two breaks in my L5, I talked to, you know, five different spinal surgeons and, and five for five, they said, dude, your sports career is over. You're going to be lucky if you ever jog again. I'm living in Colorado. My family lives in Vermont. I have no one around me. And it's not even like, it wasn't even a situation of like, you're going to get out of this, but it's going to be tough. It's like, I don't even know, I don't even know how to get out of it, but I don't even know if I can get out of it. And just those hopeless, hopeless nights. And then 
like, have you ever been out to the OTC in Colorado? No, I haven't. So, mm. so like, the buildings where the full time athletes live are sick. Like two bed, two bed, two bath apartments mm-hmm. for two athletes. Um, they're attached to the they're attached to the cafe. They're awesome. The building I was living in was old Air Force barracks, and so it's a cement room. I think it was like twelve by twelve with three single beds and a sink. It's about as close to a prison cell as you can get without being in prison, and that's where I lived. And you know I'm. I think the closest guy in age was six years my senior. And at 18 to 24, that's a big age gap. So I was, I was lonely. I was depressed. Like, and then to find out that even that's getting stripped away from me. Like, I, I was not in a good place. Like, I didn't have anyone to turn to. I didn't have anyone that I could relate to what I was going through. Nothing. And so because of those hopeless moments where it's a situation of not even, I don't even know if I, how to get out of this, but I don't know if, even if I had a plan, if I can get out of it. And so I make it a, I make it a point to, to reach out to people that right. I know or that I suspect are going through a hard time. Because I know that's one thing, because I look back to how hopeless and low I was, like through my back injury. I had five different surgeons tell me, like, you would never run again. You're never going to jog again. Like, never mind weightlifting. Like, that's out of the question. How low I was there, and then five years later, how how incredible I felt. Like, I, I had a, a bit of success in CrossFit. I now had this healthy relationship. You know, I'm progressing. And I'm like, after that, I felt invincible. Because I'm like, I know how low I was here, and I know how amazing my life is now. I'm like, dude, if I fucking overcame that, and throw whatever you want at me like and so since then i've had more of those low moments and i i remember one i remember one it was uh j- just a business deal that went bad but but i saw my livelihood get stripped away mm-hmm. and and once again it was did you feel like you were back like your brain was, did you feel like you were back at those seven? Yeah, oh, it, it was it was hopeless like but you felt that it was just like the same emotion like when, when i say for probably three months straight, multiple times a day, I would uncontrollably cry because I was so hopeless. I was in such a low place. Um, you know, I saw this life that I promised to Sammy that if you sacrifice everything, I'll provide this. And I, I just saw that getting stripped away. And, uh, and so when I say like for months straight, I would call O'Keefe three times a day. Be like, hey, any update? No, okay. Two hours later, hey, any update? No. Like, bless his heart for putting up with mm-hmm. me. And ble- bless Sammy's heart for putting up with me because I, f- I f- cried for months. And then, you know, two years after that. And, and I, but anyway, in, in that moment, I remember, I'm like, this is one of the lowest moments of my life, but I wonder what the silver lining is going to be. I wonder what good is gonna come from this situation. I don't know if it's gonna be tomorrow, the next day, or maybe it's gonna be 10 years down the road, but I know there's going to be a silver lining from this situation because I was able to relate it to, my my hopes and dreams of going to the Olympics got stripped away. Mm -hmm. And if that didn't happen, 
I wouldn't have done CrossFit. Yeah, you got the silver lining there. So exactly. What's the, so, so, yeah. so I had those examples. Yeah, you had. It. You know, you had the prior experience. That was your PED going into your shittiness <laughs> now, right? Like, yeah. So, the, 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 so you were able to mitigate the despair now. But and and but I remember in those moments of like, realistically, you know, I have hundreds of people that I can call, and and tell them I'm going through a hard time and they would help me. Like, I know that. I'm surrounded by incredible people. But when I'm in a shitty spot, that phone weighs 5,000 pounds. It is so hard to pick up the phone when you have to, not just when you want to, but when you, when you need help, that phone, you never pick it up. Mm-hmm. And so I make it a point at this point in my life, if, if I know someone's going through tough time even if i'm not super close to them you know it's just shooting them a note be like hey man i hope like i'm here for you like i just want you to know you're loved you know like or if there's anything i can do or i'll just call them and be like do you do you want to talk about it or just even if even i'm not close with them and it's like they're going through something it's like get in the car we're going to the gym i'm going to get your mind off this situation for one hour and we're you know, so even if it's just for that one hour that, you know, maybe they don't think about quite as often while they're working out, or even if it's just like they feel a little bit better when they go home, fantastic, you know, but, you know, I've, I've experienced the, the not being there for a friend in need. And I was like, never doing that again. I, I want to be the person that I wish I had when I was going through those things. Yeah. Even if it's not somebody that's close to you, shoot them a text. The, wor- the worst thing they're going to do is just not answer. Right. You know? And, right. And I've had that happen a million one times too. Yeah. But for that one person that like that was what they needed, like fantastic. Great. I, th- I love the, I love that it's the same feeling. Like you, the despair that you feel at 32 is the same despair that you feel at 18. You just have the decade of experience, experience. to now be like, there will be a silver lining here. Yeah. I will reap it. And I, I wish there was a way that you could imprint that into a fucking high school kid and dude. be like, dude, this is nothing. Dude, like, <laughs> you know? I've, I've, I've thought about this and like, and I've said this for years, like I, I really want to do um, what my weightlifting coach did for me. Um, he, he had a, a weightlifting gym at, at the middle school in Essex. He bought all the equipment himself. He had no school funding. He didn't charge a dime to anyone, but he was there every day after school and Saturday mornings until noon for three hours for free. And he just provided this world-class coaching, world-class equipment to anyone that wanted to show up. Now, I, at this point in my life, I don't have the time to dedicate for three hours every single day of the week, um, but I want to... I want to provide that space and for kids. So like, not only like, hey, like, hey, if you're, if you're training for football, we're not gonna bench press and curl every day. Like we're gonna do, I'm gonna teach you proper technique, how to train properly and train the right things properly. But also I wanna provide that space because when I was a teenager, you can't go ask your dad about certain things like that's like incriminating or like, you know, that barrier of entry of like, you know, it's like sometimes it's nice to have somebody that's almost a stranger to be like, dude, how the f- do I deal with this situation? And be like, oh, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but 
I'll tell you a situation that was similar to me. I'll tell you what I did mm -hmm. and what I would do differently mm -hmm. next time. And it, it sounds, sounds great, but I'm like, I'm the same way. I'm like, I want to find a way to help, you know, I, I want to be the person that I wish I had when I was right. 16 to 25. Yeah. I'm like, hey, everything's going to be yeah. okay. You're going to get through this. It's all consuming right now. But like in a month's time, you're not even going to remember this. You can, know? can we just talk about how fucking amazing coaches are? <laughs> like, like how amazing coaches can be. Can be. Right, right, right. right. I, I have I, met well, some pieces of Okay, well, so let's, barring, <laughs> barring the pieces of it's such an amazing profession. And it's brought me some of the most amazing men I've ever come in contact with. And they changed and formed my life. And they've brought me some shitty men, but barring yeah. those, what an amazing thing. What an amazing, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's something that I just, I'm fascinated with, especially weightlifting coaches, just anyone, you know, it's, coaches. It's, it's not a responsibility to be taken lightly. Right, because especially you know, with teenagers, with a teenager, you're you're in an authoritative role, and but you're you're in an authoritative role when it comes to this one discipline, but then it bleeds into everything else. Of course, and so if you're an example for these these young minds that are just sponges, like something as simple, you know, the language you use, the how you eat, you know, if you know. Think, think about like a parent that smokes. You can tell your kid not to smoke until you're blue in the face, but you, they follow your example. They don't follow your words. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, you, you have to be on high alert. You need to watch every P and Q to make sure you're a good example. And of course, like I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And like, we all have our flaws. We all have our, our demons, but it's like having that realization that, okay, when I'm in front of this person, like they're paying attention to me. Like they're, they're going to mimic, they're going to pick up on their, what, what's that audio on TikTok? Like your kids are going to figure you out. And it's like, yeah, your athletes are going to figure you out after right. a while. So it's like, you better make sure that you are a, a good example. Um, yeah, cause it's a big role. And, and hopefully like the relationship that I want with my athletes is that they're not just coming to me for a good workout. They're not just coming to me for good technique, but it's then like, Hey, I'm dealing with this problem in life. How how do I juggle it with everything else going on? Because I, I've, you know, for myself, I've, I've been through some shit. I have some good life experience and it's like, I hope I can be that resource. Like, I'm, I always thought, I'm like, I'm an open book. Come and ask me questions. You know, I've, I've, I've been through some, some good times, some bad times. And like, I think I have a very good self-awareness of what I did, why I did it, how it turned out. Um, and so I'm, I'm always like, dude, hit, hit, me with, hit me with your problems, you know, like, you know, let, let, let me try to help. Matt, I appreciate you so much for, Dude, for doing this, man, taking the time. This is a good, good podcast. Yeah. It's just a good chat. Yeah. Um, what is your uh, future look like with HWPO and what do you want people to pay attention to? Doesn't I am, have to be that. You could just say. No, I'm, I'm, this year is going to be a big year for us. Um, you know, our team, our team is growing. The resources that we have are growing. Uh, we're finally in, uh, in about three weeks, we'll no longer be live, working out of our living room. Uh, you know, we, we got an office building. We got, uh, we're basically building an affiliate um, just for competitors. We, we want to be 
I want to provide to athletes what, what I wish I had when I was competing. And that is uh, a free space that you can come in and train on your own schedule and have every resource possible. So we, we take possession of that building in a couple of weeks. Uh, and so I'm hoping, you know, it was, it, it was after the games I had, I had a games athlete that I, I've had my, I've watched his career over the last, you know, five, six years. Um, and it was after the games last year, he had a phenomenal season and he reached out and he asked me to coach him. He wanted to move, move to Vermont and uh, have me coach him. And, and I, I had to say no, because, and I was like- Because you couldn't provide I was, you. I was like, I literally just don't have the space. Like I don't have a gym big enough for how many people we have. And if, if I bring you in, it's gonna take away from, from what I've promised to other people. And, and after that, I saw, I saw that missed opportunity and broke my heart and I went Fuck that like Fuck it. we're going out and getting a building and so so we got uh, a little bit over 11,000 square feet now so good hopefully we won't be running out of room anytime soon so we can bring in more athletes provide a better training environment uh, better training space for for anyone that wants to take part I, I gotta come out there man I really do I gotta oh, I mean because uh, especially because Vermont bro that's we're, we're, like, we're hoping to have uh, the gym space fully functional uh, by quarterfinals cool so we'll, we'll see we'll see knock on wood it's, yeah. it's all on track so far so hopefully but as soon as soon as that space is open um, on the other thing too like HWPO started renting renting a house so so when when people come into town you don't need to get a hotel. You don't need to worry about finding a kitchen or anything like that. It's like, there's a training space. There's the keys to your house. You're good to go. Oh, so wow. we just want to make sure that we, we want to be the best at what we do and provide the best services and have the best people around us. So that's, that's what we're doing. All right, man. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah.